0: It's not competing. It's like fishing. I mean, there are like fishermen in every country and it's still enough fish in the sea. E-residency or digital citizenship is the thing to stay because the world gets more and more global and it's more and more stuff you can do digitally. So we were just the first ones, but there will be others.
1: In today's show, we're going to take a peek at a country, and it's one that, I'm not going to lie, until recently, I had almost no knowledge of. So thanks to Wikipedia for putting it right. The country's name is Estonia. It's a small country in Northern Europe that sits south of Finland, across the Baltic Sea from Sweden, just north of Latvia, and just west of Russia. Its estimated population is 1.3 million. Now, why are we talking about Estonia? Estonia. Well, it's a country that started to treat itself like a startup. Yeah, they even have a chief information officer. I'm going to talk to him today. They are creating services specifically for entrepreneurs. Could you call it CAS country? As a service, (laughs) Estonia has introduced something aimed specifically at solving two very real problems that location-independent entrepreneurs have. Number one, the need to take payments in different currencies as efficiently as possible, and two, not to be shady about the fact that we travel while we work. We've talked on the show before how we've all on occasion had to basically lie to fit in with immigration rules, to say we're tourists when we're actually completely legitimate. Well, Estonia, as far as I'm aware, is one of the first countries to basically say, we hear you, we see the problem, and we want to be one of the first countries to offer a solution. That solution is called e-residency. And anyone, anywhere in the world, so long as you fill out a successful application and pass a few background checks, can become an e-resident of Estonia, which means you can bank there and open a business online. And by the way, if you want to take a look at how you can apply to become an Estonia e-resident, the show notes and links for this episode are going to be posted at tropicalmba.com Estonia. Now, in a bit here, I'm going to be talking to the chief information officer of Estonia. Now, honestly, when I first heard about Estonia e-residency, I didn't think much of it. But today's episode completely changed my mind. I don't only really think that Estonia e-residency is a really cool, innovative thing that they're doing, but I think this paves a path for the future, how nations, citizens, and location-independent entrepreneurs interact. But before we talk business, I thought it would be cool to talk to someone who's actually an Estonian e-resident, and that person is Joel Runyon. He is the brains behind the fitness and mindset blog called The Blog of Impossible Things. Joel recently wrote about the whole experience of getting e-residency in our private forum. And it really put it on my radar. So I thought I'd give him a call and see how he became an e-resident and why he was motivated to do it.
0: I I talked
2: to a few different people about, you know, getting secondary passports. And just like, you know, people always talk about moving out of the country and everything. It's like, I know people that wanted to live in different places besides the U.S. Like, you know, I always thought like, OK, you know, a second passport's kind of on the list of things to do. You know, eventually the problem with that is it's like 300 grand, you know, several years. It's all process to do it. The e-residency thing I thought was kind of like a cheaper, more accessible version of that. But I still thought it was going to be pretty tough to get. And so then I just started digging into it and I found out it wasn't that tough to do at all.
1: When I think of a second passport, I think of a backup plan for residency, but this doesn't provide any of that. So how did you draw that connection?
2: So I didn't really realize a lot of that <laughs> until I started applying. Part of my interest in it was it had been kind of on my radar for a long time, and I thought it was something that I could just do, and the costs to doing it weren't that high, and I thought it would give me optionality if nothing else.
1: You spend 100 bucks to get this, and some good things could happen to you. You just don't know what they're going to be.
2: Yeah, whether I use it or whether I use it for, you know, a cool story or I ended up, you know, talking to some of the people who run the Estonian program and like becoming Twitter friends with them, like there's just some things that could happen out of it and it didn't seem like too big of a investment to try it out.
1: Can you talk me through the steps that you went through personally to get it?
2: I heard about it originally over a year ago and then earlier this year I started thinking about it again and then once I decided to do it, I think it was two pages of basic, you know, form information that I had to fill out name, address, occupation, all that fun stuff, current passport information. And then after that, I think I paid the hundred bucks or whatever it was.
1: So you filled this out on your computer?
2: Yeah, it was all online. It was way easier than I anticipated. I said, the reason I kind of held off on it, because I thought it was going to be this big intensive thing that was going to take months and months to...
1: Like getting a foreign visa to a country or something.
2: Yeah, and that's never fun. You always have to send out your passport. You know, like it's all that stuff. So this was just, I had to fill out these two pages of forms. I think I had to send them a scan of my passport. I submitted it. I waited a couple weeks And then I got approved. And then once I got approved, I had to pick it up at one of the consulates. And that was actually the tougher part because I was traveling at the moment. I think I was in Europe for three months and I had to go be back in New York at some point to go pick it up. It took me longer to go pick up the actual car than it took for them to actually approve my application.
1: What was the experience like going to the consulate?
2: Basically, there's a bunch of consulates in this one building. You know, the security at the front desk, they say, hey, where are you going? And we say Estonia. We go up to, you know, like the 13th floor or whatever it was. And there's like three other consulates on the same one. We almost walked into, I think, Ghana at first. And they're like, no, 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 down there. I thought it would be like, you know, a building or it's like separate thing. But it's really just kind of an office room, almost, you know, smaller than like a doctor's office and i gave them my identification they fingerprinted me and they issued me that card in 15 minutes we're the only people there it looked kind of like we're the only people that had been there all day there was nothing in the entire process that was you know a long wait or difficult to deal with i was really really surprised actually how fast i actually got it done once i decided to do it
1: do you carry around the card in your wallet now what does it look like
2: yeah. So the, the Estonian e-residency card, I have it right in front of me. It says Republic of Estonia digital identity card. It just has a uh, date of expiry, the document number, and then the personal code on it. It's got my full name on it with a chip right next to it, kind of like an exposed credit card chip. It has a bunch of numbers on it, a barcode on the back, and is blue and white, and the blue is sort of like a DNA helix. So it's sort of like a digital identity thing.
1: Now that you're an Estonian e-resident, congratulations. Thank you. What sorts of things do you envision doing with it in the future?
2: It's really interesting to me in case I'm interested in setting up a specific business in Europe, but setting up a bank account and a a business abroad digitally, they're catering really hard to digital nomads. So they're trying to make it easy to set up a, a Europe base without actually being there. And that's kind of interesting to me. I think when I was applying Maybe Brexit was happening or had just happened. People were just talking about it quite a bit. With all that, I'd like to have options. Now, you know, for US residents, there's some benefits to setting up a business in Estonia. I don't think they tax you, you know, if you're reinvesting profits into your business. So if you're bootstrapping your business and you want to reinvest your money there, that makes sense. But for US residents, we're taxed wherever we are in the world. So it doesn't really matter. The interesting part for me is that it's sort of, Estonia is doing this blueprint for how to do digital services. If you talk about running nations like a company, Estonia is kind of trying to angle for a lot of the digital nomads to make Estonia home. And I was putting all those in air quotes because you guys can see that. It was worth $100 to learn about the process. The actual benefits of it I think are tougher for an American to realize. I've had some South African friends talk to me about potentially getting it. If they get a European bank account, all of a sudden, stuff like Stripe becomes a lot easier.
1: Which is a payment processor. So your South African friend that lives in Thailand could do business through Estonia with full business
2: services, basically. From my understanding, yeah.
1: It sounds to me like you did this almost as an idealist. Like you did it as voting with your wallet.
2: A little bit of that. I was really just mostly curious. And I've heard about people talking about, you know, countries competing for citizens. And this seemed like Estonia was trying to compete for digital nomads. I haven't even been to Estonia, which is the funniest part, but it kind of makes me want to go there now and at least, you know, check it out and see what's going on and find out a little bit more. Estonia was pretty clear on, you know, who they're going after, why they're targeting people. I was really impressed both with, you know, how they're going about it, what it's allowing you to do, especially for people living outside the U.S. And then kind of how they're pushing it and how they're marketing it and the transparency that they have they have a whole ton of dashboards talking about the program like live updates on who's applying demographic breakdowns country breakdowns all that it's been really interesting to just to kind of pay attention to and watch
1: you're right i was looking at the api dashboard and the biggest demographic is location independent entrepreneurs this is not only someone recognizing that this demographic exists but building a quality product for them that's kind of insane
2: Yeah. And I think that's going to happen more. And Estonia, this was the first instance of me seeing a government say, you know, those are real people. That is an actual lifestyle. And there's a huge number of them. And we're building a product for them. And whether or not e-residency is going to give you all the capabilities that you dream of, I think it's kind of a first step for them. And they're starting to do a ton of things. We had a thread in the DC about opening a bank account in Wyoming and the hoops people would have to jump through to open a bank account in Wyoming. And all the issues that the US banks make you jump through to minimize fraud and all this other stuff. Estonia is kind of going the other way. They're like, all right, you know, we're gonna make it easy to have you open this online because whether or not you're actually physically In Estonia, we want your business to be headquartered here. So I thought that was really interesting, and I wanted to keep an eye on it and try it out for myself. And maybe I'll, you know, open a branch of Impossible in Estonia just to see how the process goes. I think the effort that they're putting in, I think it's the pretty early stages of what it's going to be. So it's kind of fun to, you know, be within, I think I was the first 800 Americans to get it. And there's only, you know, a few thousand people that have it worldwide. So I thought that was kind of interesting to get in on, keep an eye on it and see what happens with it and see what other countries come out with similar types of programs.
1: As Joel pointed out, it's fascinating that we do seem to see the beginning of countries and governments starting to recognize location independent entrepreneurs. And the next step is actually, you know, competing for our business by creating policy and in this case, services. For us. So I think this is exciting, particularly if other countries follow suit. So today I wanted to talk to the person who has driven this initiative forward and who told me that 20 international delegations visit his offices every week. That's delegations from other countries trying to learn about what Estonia is doing here. That person is the chief information officer of Estonia, Tavi Katka. Now, Tavi isn't a typical government bureaucrat. And that's part of the reason this program is so exciting. His background is in software development, as a startup founder, and co-owner of one of the biggest IT firms in Estonia. And now he's an angel investor. So I started out by asking Tavi how he found making the leap from entrepreneur to government minister.
0: different. I have to admit that I more feel like a child in the candy store because it was actually our agreement with, with politicians and other government officers that when they hire me, they actually they have to support me fully. Even if we, we do really crazy stuff, they have to say, trust me. They have kept their word. So what it means is that I have been doing very interesting projects. I have more money in my budget than I can meaningfully spend, et cetera. So it's like a kid in a candy store.
1: What are some things that you've done that maybe challenge them as government employees?
0: Estonia is like any other government. It means that uh, mostly it works in silos, that different silos are responsible for different things. Currently, if you look at the numbers, the numbers are actually better than we estimated. We started with that, and uh, there has been like many obstacles on our roads. That's the frustrating thing of working with the government, that even the simple things or simple law might take many years. But all in all, I'm totally happy with the results. I mean, with one year, e they have created more than 1,000 companies in Estonia, it's a small number in global scale, but if you think about we have sixty thousand six zero sixty thousand active companies in Estonia adding one thousand more it's actually one point seven percent growth. If you think about like one thousand in u k terms is nothing it's ridiculous small number but in Estonia's scale it's a huge number like and it's just the beginning it's just the first year and like any other startup you need to spread the word before you actually can start like seeing the results
1: I would like to start with Just learning a little bit about Estonia, like Skype, for example. I heard many, many years ago that Skype was built in Estonia. Is that true?
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, like the core development team was like four Estonians and currently still Microsoft runs the core team in Tallinn, our capital. If you were
1: to take me out to eat, like what would be the national dish of Estonia?
0: (laughs) You mean like food?
1: Yeah. Like, I'm just curious. I mean, I've never visited. So just to get a sense for the country a little bit.
0: We are the former German colony. Germans have ruled us like 700 plus years. So what it means is that lots of our, I would say, human nature is like German, So we are very disciplined. we like the order. We like being on time with your meetings. Keeping your word. As you know, Germans, the quality, high standards, high demands. That's basically Estonian. And our kitchen is also a very German kitchen. So the same thing like blood sausages and and sauerkraut and, and potato. That's basically Estonian Kitchen also. Modern Estonian Kitchen is different. And modern Estonian Kitchen is very close what you can get from, I don't know, Denmark or Sweden. And it's very interesting. So I really encourage you to visit this country. It's a beautiful country. Can you take me
1: to the genesis of this e-residency program? What was the thinking behind it?
0: The idea is quite simple. The thing is that if you look at the country as you would look at a company, I mean, if you want to grow your revenues, you need to sell more, so you basically need more customers, and that's the same thing with governments and countries, that like if you want to become a richer country one way to sell more is to have more customers, but uh, who are the customers of the country, like of they are the citizens or the people who live there, so we live in far north, so we are in the same latitude as, as Alaska the weather conditions and like living environment, even though we feel here it's the best place to be, it might be too cold for outsiders. Like the average temperature per year is plus five Celsius, so not not so cool at all. And our birth rate, like in any European, like Western European country, it's slightly negative, so our population is actually declining. So what it means is that to get more customers, we would need more immigrants. But it's, again, a problem that they not want to come here. One thing is weather, but another thing is that on the same latitude, there is, like, Sweden and Norway, and they prefer to go there because there are more, like, and better social benefits compared with Estonia. And we had these 50 years of Soviet Union occupation that basically stopped our development. Like, before the Second World War, like, Estonia was actually a richer country than Finland or Norway. But it's not so anymore, and we have to catch up. But the goal is that you need more customers, And as we are able to serve our diaspora all around the world, like Estonians in Silicon Valley or Estonians in Thailand, it doesn't matter where you live. I mean, like, you can still participate in our votings, like you can still be connected with our society. So then we thought, like, if we are able to serve Estonians all around the world, why can't we serve like other people?
1: Can we stop there and talk about serving your own citizens? Because I thought that that was really unique. I was watching a presentation of yours, and you mentioned that because your populace is so spread out over a large landmass, you were forced into the digital age faster than most countries. Can you describe that process a little bit?
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, if there's a question like why Estonia is so called e-country, then we have a reason. Estonia is like land-wise bigger country than like Netherlands or, or Switzerland. So it means that we have huge amount of land, but we only have one point three million people. And outside of our capital, there the average density is four persons per square kilometer. So it was clear for the private sector and also for the public sector already twenty years ago. That if we want to serve our own people, we need to push them using self-services and using IT because there are not enough people to serve other people. So you can't have a bank in every small town or you can't have a government representative in every village. It's not possible. So you have to force them towards self-service. And that's why we started to develop all those good communication networks. We started to computerize schools. We had special skills, so ICT skills programs for, for elder people. We accepted the digital signature as a law. So it means that we always know who is behind the computer. And then you can do basically everything without like leaving your computer, even vote. So that was the reason.
1: I'm looking at... You have a cool chart of like all the real time statistics, or there's one on the web. And the number one demographic that's taking advantage of e residency is location independent international businesses. What's so fascinating about that to me is that most governments don't even seem to know that these exist.
0: That's right. We saw the trends. I mean like if you think about it like thirty six percent of US labor force currently is our freelancers. So, yes, most of them are providing their services in the same location where they live. But, I mean, like, they could, like, provide the service also location independently. And when they discover that, oh, there might be a need for the services in Europe or in Asia, and they can actually provide it over the Internet, they need a presence in those locations, like in Europe or in Asia. There are not too many choices to do that, at least in Europe. So you can establish a company, obviously, in in all countries through lawyers or, like, some kind of board of directors, but it will be uh, costly. And it costs you, like, tens of thousands of euros compared with, like, our approach that you basically pay 100 euros, you get a strong digital identity, and then you're basically free of charge for whatever you're doing. Or if you want to be taken care of, like, somebody helps you, it's, like, 75 euros per month. So it's way cheaper. And you have a physical like, presence in Europe, you have a bank account and everything, and you can run all this just sitting behind your kitchen table.
1: I'm sure you've noted that for many geeks, it's a point of pride to register for Estonian e-residency. It's something just cool to do to support the program, even if they don't intend to use the services. Is it a point of pride for Estonians? Is there a public consciousness about this program?
0: Actually, uh, it's funny. Estonians are like funny nation. I mean, we like to kick and eat each other.
1: Kick and what? Each other?
0: There's a saying that the best food for Estonian is another Estonian. <laughs> Financial Times actually asked me like, that they couldn't find any negative articles about e-residency. And they asked me, like, it's not possible. There has to be negative articles about e-residency. And I just said, like, open up any Estonian article about e-residency and it all will be negative. What are
1: some of the concerns that Estonians have expressed?
0: It's like from the first day they have started, like, okay, where's the money they're both? You know, we have those safe residents, like how much money they bring in. And they can't understand, for example, that like, it has took us like two years to get the law in place that you can actually actually open up a bank account over the distance. But if, without bank account, the whole concept is basically like, like a car without wheels. Like, so why do you demand like, results from me if the product is not ready?
1: Why is the banking element such a challenge?
0: Estonia is in the edge of Europe, so it means that one of our neighbours is like Russia. Also, we are part of like Baltic countries. It's like Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania. The rest of the Europe quite often sees us as like one region. We have always had like a balanced government budget. We don't spend more than we earn, etc. And we are very disciplined in financial matters. And then it's like our neighbors who are are not doing so great. And also some of our neighbors have money laundering problems, etc. We don't. I mean, like Estonia has the toughest money laundering laws in Europe. I mean, it means that also like central banks or like correspondent banks, they treat us the same way as they did treat our neighbors. We have to be, I'll say, extra careful. We have to be extra strict with our laws and regulations so that we to actually differentiate ourselves from our neighbours and to show that, no, we, I mean, like, if you're an e-resident, you can't launder the money. I mean, like, it's not possible. I mean, like, it's all transparent. It's all controlled. And that's why, I mean, putting all this in place just took time. But also, I have to admit, like any other country, we have faced the problems that like, different ministries are not able to talk with each other. And it also, I mean, miscommunications and all this basic crap that happens in, in every <laughs> country. I mean, like, we have the same thing here. It's always this way that if there is a like, uh, I'll say radical idea that somebody and like, a team tries to push through, especially on a government level. I mean, like, we're talking about government startups. So what it means, it's like it's a public money that we risk here, even though the investment we have been doing into this project is extremely small. It's honestly, it's less than one million euro because all those systems that those e resident people are using, they were already there. I mean, like Estonians are using them already like more than 10 years. So what it means is that we didn't have to build anything extra. It's a profitable project from the first day, but it's still not enough. I mean, they still want to get more. But I think it's normal to have the high standards towards your government.
1: I'm sure you've met many e-residents. What are the key benefits that they're getting by becoming an Estonia e-resident?
0: There are like different groups. I mean, there are groups like our neighboring countries like Finland or like Russia who take this because they have some kind of property in Estonia or some like they do wealth management or whatever. But the most rapidly growing area is having a company in Europe and running this company and bank account from distance. And it's also popular among Europeans, not only among, like, U.S. or Ukraine. It's also from, after the Brexit, there was a high growth from U.K. Germans, I mean, like, establishing a company and running a company in Germany is a hassle. And then if you can do it, like, hassle-free in Estonia, there is a, like, very rapidly growing sector. You need a presence in Europe. You might traveling, I mean, like, I know that you are, I think, in Thailand at the moment, like, doing this interview. But if you still have your customers in Europe and you have, like, a monthly-based interaction with them, you want to invoice them, you want to get money on your account, like, rapidly, I mean, it needs that you have some kind of institution in Europe. And that's what we provide, and that's the most rapidly growing area at the moment.
1: And there have been countries that have done this in the past. Like, if you look at the British Virgin Islands, for example. How do you guys see yourself as different from that, or do you?
0: Mostly, how it's done is that you hire somebody. You need, like, some local person to be in your, like, physical person to be in your board of directors or, or, like, uh, to actually run the company in the front of the local government. Here, we talk about, like, it's fully you. I mean, like, it's easy to establish a company, just a couple of clicks. It's easy to, I mean, start running the company and it will be you. It won't be like any like board of directors or like any other you have to go through. It's just up to you. Like if you want to sell or buy something, send an invoice, collect money. I mean, like it's all you. It's cheaper. It's more transparent. It's faster.
1: And so you're doing this basically by doing background checks on people who are signing up. Have you noticed like that there's a lot of shady characters applying for these or how do you sort the good from the bad out?
0: There is a background check when you apply for e-residency. So we run you basically through different databases what are like able, open for, for the government. Like It actually means that we can do slightly better KYC than the banks can do because we also have access to the databases like all your terrorists or not.
1: And that's know your customer.
0: Yeah, that's one thing what we do. And uh, we say no, approximately it's like up to 1.3% we say no. Also, what is if we see, I would say, behavior that we don't like, or there is another country who says that, okay, there is a criminal as your resident. By law, we have a right to shut you down instantly. Tell me a little bit
1: about the people behind the e-residency program.
0: I have a very great team running this e program at the moment. In everyday life, I don't run it. I mean, it's Kaspar Korjus, who is the leader of the team at the moment, taking care of this product development. I'm more like have moved towards the vision. And if some extra push is needed, for example, from the legislative part, then I try to help. But is it like a startup or is it more like... It's a full startup. Like they are in like they are basically even work in startup conditions. They have a budget that they can spend and this budget is agreed on for four years. So they don't need to worry about raising another amount.
1: Do e-residents get treated any differently when they come to Estonia?
0: No, currently not because uh, you still it's not a travel document so you still have to have like Schengen visa or a passport that gives you a Schengen access. There's no great corporate <laughs> I think there should be.
1: What do other governments think of this? When you go out and you talk to the members of other governments, what do they make of you?
0: First of all, they hate it because they think about this like a tax haven. It's not tax haven.
1: Why isn't it a tax haven?
0: We want to obey or follow the basic OECD DAX rule. OECD is the, let's say, economically advanced countries in the world, like Japan, US, Germany, etc. And the tax rule is that the taxes should be paid where the value was created. So, for example, if you are in US, living in US, and you approach European market through Estonia, we don't tax you because you don't use our infrastructure. You just use like some bank services. And so what it means is that there's no reason to tax you. But on the same time, you are using U.S. roads. You are not using U.S. education, healthcare system. So you should contribute to that society. So the idea here is that not to become another like tax haven. It's like to share this information about your business with your home country, and to share it like in machine readable way and hassle free way. That basically. Your government knows what you do in Europe, how much you earn. We believe that all this global like citizenship and like, digital nomads, etc. Paying taxes in Estonia is extremely simple and easy. 98% of Estonians are actually declaring taxes electronically. Now, statistics shows that if it's easy and simple to pay taxes, and if the taxes are reasonable, then people don't want to cheat. And we here see the same thing. I mean, like, if you take those freelancers in U.S. and then they see European market as a potential new market, I mean, there are choices. I mean, like, you can establish a company in some other country if you want to hide your taxes. But If to so, so see, like, what U.S. is doing with Switzerland, for example, at the moment, pushing them to reveal all the bank transactions, etc., it's a dead end. We always have said that if you want to be an the resident, like, you better be honest because all the transactions are transparent. We will share your information with your home country in future. Conceptually, we want to be in a position where we are actually doing your tax on your behalf. So it will be hassle-free. And as a citizen of that physical country, you should contribute anyway to that society. So you should be happy if you also pay your taxes.
1: Do you think other countries are going to start competing with you guys?
0: It's not competing. It's like fishing. I mean, there are like fishermen in every country. It's still enough fish in the sea. There will be Dutch e-residency. There will be Singapore e-residency. So it will be a normal thing. They will start focusing on different issues and they will find their customer base. E-residency or digital citizenship is the thing to stay because the world gets more and more global and it's more and more stuff you can do uh, digitally. So we were just the first ones, but there will be others.
1: People from all around the world must be coming to visit you.
0: We get, like, more than 20 delegations per week.
1: Could you name a few that came? I don't know.
0: No, no, mostly like government people. I mean, for example, with Japan, we had many delegations. When they start to implement their My Number concept.
1: The My Number concept?
0: Yeah, I mean, every Japan person gets a secret number. Ah. It shouldn't be secret, it should be a public number, but that part, they didn't want to listen.
1: What's difficult for them about understanding or implementing this concept?
0: In Estonia there wasn't any other way how to govern the country. So we basically were like, our back was like, like against the wall. So we had to do those radical reforms. But then when we did this reform, we understood that, oh, like, it's actually great. I mean, like, you get like the benefits. We have always trusted our engineers. I'm also an engineer. So uh, I'm actually a software engineer. Like our government always have trusted us. They don't mix it with politics. In other countries, it's more about politics and i mean give you an example like anglo saxon countries like uk or canada or us or australia they say that oh we can't number the people because our people don't want to be numbered okay i understand that but like if you don't give unique identifier to your people how the hell you actually know that john smith in one database is the same john smith in, in another database so let's say that you want to get better healthcare and then for better healthcare you would like to, a patient could get like the second opinion from from another doctor, but please access my data and then please give your opinion. I, I have been in several hospitals, like can I combine this information to show you you actually could give me better treatment. You can't do that because you can't connect that data if there is not the same like unique identifier. And it's very important the private sector has to acknowledge and also use that, that, uh, that the same unique identifier about you if the data is connectable, you can't believe what kind of stuff you can build. And that's why they come to Estonia, and that's why they want to copy it. But they can't because, I mean, it's it's a political question. Do you
1: feel like this concept is inevitable for other countries?
0: Yeah, because, I mean, as a software engineer, I say like there is no other way. I mean, like there is no other way. So anyway, you will do it. It's a question like when.
1: So the core of citizenship, I guess, has been things like birth and travel documentation and tax registration. What is the core idea of an e-residency?
0: I mean, you still need the physical part also. You still need that, the passport. You live somewhere, and then if you use that environment, you should contribute to that environment. Logical. I mean, like somebody has to take care of the roads and, and stuff. So you have like one physical residency and multiple teacher residencies. That will be a new normality.
1: I'm trying to figure out what the idea is that you've confirmed my identity. Is that the idea?
0: We say Estonian government says that behind the computer is Dan Andrews.
1: Then when I interact with a third party, the Estonian government can then enter into that transaction virtually and say, yes, this is Dan Andrews.
0: Yeah. And we have done the background checks and we have some kind of information about him.
1: What happens if the Estonian government gets hacked? That's
0: the the question. I think any government gets hacked nowadays but it's a question like can you be sure that your i'll say property is still your property and like or like can you be sure that your healthcare data is safe etc so we use a blockchain for example a lot it's a different challenge i mean like even like more interesting question is like what if something happens with estonia go on if you can do everything location independently the location is not so important anymore don't get me wrong, I love my country, and I think I would be the first one with a gun if something attacks. If you can run those applications in a cloud, it's possible to take down that country. Because, as you know, it's more important how you fail inside the heart than like, physically. I mean, if I would be in Singapore, let's say working for a Singaporean company or government, still in the heart I'm an Estonian. So it doesn't matter that I live in Singapore for a while or like I live in the U.S. So it it's always matters how you feel it inside the heart.
1: What's your vision for the future of this? What do you think it could become?
0: First of all, people will start to choose and will start to use the best service possible. I mean, we will see with government services, we will see the same kind of development like we saw in any, any other areas. I mean, I buy my music from Sweden I'm using Spotify. I like Uber. So we also will see this kind of disruption in governments and like security or, or even diplomacy or like all those kind of services can actually be bought in if needed. We will start seeing people who actually think alike. They will start collaborating more. They will start forming more influential virtual communities. And definitely we will start seeing more virtual countries. A country of Silicon Valley, I mean, just looking what we are doing, it's not impossible at all. I mean, like, it could be there tomorrow. Just one more question.
1: I was reading your resume and smiling because it doesn't read it like somebody who works in a government. You're not somebody who is chasing credentials. You've started multiple startups. True. You ran the largest IT firm in Estonia. True. You're an investor in multiple startups, an angel investor. True. So what's next for you? You're like one of the most prominent citizens of your country. What do you think is something that you're interested in doing next?
0: To be honest, I'm leaving 31st of January next year because I've been working four years now for the government. And I just feel that I want to get back to the private sector. To be absolutely blunt, I'm choosing between different offers at the moment. I'm free on the market. If you want to hire me, I mean, like, I have very high standards, but, like, we can talk about it. It's time to move on. It's time to get going. Ahead,
1: I have First, I want to thank Tavi and Joel for coming on the show today. I wasn't that jazzed about this idea when I first heard it. You know, I sort of, through the process of doing this episode, I became extremely fascinated in what they're up to. So be curious to hear what you guys think. Are you going to go get Estonian e-residency? Do you think other countries might start competing with Estonia or providing services in different niches? I think the book's wide open on this stuff, you know? The future of what countries, what their role is in the world, I think will be challenged by technology. So it's interesting to see a small country taking the first steps in sort of a new direction. So I'm going to post the links to everything we talked about on today's episode at tropicalmba.com slash Estonia hope you enjoyed this one and we'll be back as always next Thursday morning hey thanks for listening to the tropical MBA podcast you can go to tropicalmba.com get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies load up your iPod that is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight we will see you next Thursday morning 8 a.m eastern standard time